BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show. Wonderful of you to join us here today. And our guest today is Steve Bannon. He hosts one of the highest-rated shows in podcasting, The War Room. Steve was assistant to President Trump as chief strategist, CEO of the 2016 Trump campaign. And before all of that, Steve served as a naval officer. He worked on Wall Street, a Hollywood producer, an entrepreneur, and a conservative activist, a patriot, a great American, and a true MAGA warrior. Today, I'm delighted to have him with us discussing the latest Biden outrages, including staying silent for more than two months about what appear to be stolen classified documents in the possession of then-former Vice President Joe Biden till now. The documents found by President Biden's personal attorneys, coincidentally, just less than a week before the November midterm elections. And all of the Biden scandal in context amounts to this. The takeover of the U.S. government by the Marxist Dems who run the Democrat Party and the deep state who manage the puppet president, Joe Biden. And now, with that settled, our good friend Steve Bannon. Steve, welcome. Great to have you with us. The Secret Service first telling Congress that there are no visitor logs. The country, as one yells to the Secret Service, you're liars and you're not good liars. Three days later, the Secret Service says, never mind, we do have visitor names and we will give you those visitor names. Not a good start for the Deep State Defenders team, was it? It, look, the whole thing is uh, is uh, obviously there's a lot more here than meets the eye. And what I continue to say, Lou, is is let's just drive a stake in because there's both a crime and then there's a cover up. And I think here normally the cover ups bigger than the crime, but I think the crimes here are, are, are pretty big. For the audience, I would just say drive a stake into the date two November of uh, 2022, mm-hmm. the CCP Penn Biden Center. Uh, why, why were uh, Biden's lawyers uh, the most, you know, dialed in people in Washington? Because everybody wants to be the president's lawyer. These are not. This is not White House counsel. That's the that's the lawyers who are the the, the lawyers for the office of the president. Whether it's Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, FDR, Ronald Reagan, uh, Donald Trump, or Joe Biden, they represent the office. This is his personal attorneys. Why are they rummaging around in a closet? at that center in Washington, D.C., finding highly uh, classified compartmented top secret that have been missing or been out, you know, out of the chain of custody, it appears, for seven years. Uh, why are they there? When did they find out about it? What, that, that, if you drive a stake and go back in time, and that's the timeline we need uh, from if, if justice is not going to give it, we need it from, and the Biden White House is clearly not going to give it, we need one of these committees to get it. That's that to me shows you the scale of these crimes and the crimes are going to be pretty horrific. Of course, everything on the cover up is has been totally amateur hour. Uh, but I got to tell you, Lou, I think if you drive a stake in November 2nd and go back, the date of 8 August 
is going to really become quite prominent mm-hmm. because I think there was a lot of activity on this Biden situation that people knew about in, in, in at high levels that precipitated the, the jackbooted raid that was totally unnecessary. I mean, it's the first time it really makes sense. I say, why would the FBI be so heavy handed? Why would they do this? They just want to get the Trump uh, base even more fired up for 2024. I think now you understand. I think people are understanding why now, because something was going on about how you have a misdirection play. And that's why I think 8 August, uh, the, the timeline when it finally comes out is going to be quite revelatory. As you point out, Steve, there, those uh, the negotiations between the president and the archives uh, for those documents uh, at uh, Mar-a-Lago, uh, presumably at Mar-a-Lago, have been going on for over a year. And all of a sudden, there is extraordinary urgency on the part of the FBI and the Department of Justice. They take a phone from a librarian over at the archives who launches all these ships in the middle of the night to go to war with a former president. None of it made sense. But you're right. Now, hold on, hold on. Hang on. Hang on right there. You brought up a great point. I want to connect dots. The same archivist, and this is why it never made sense at the time, but it's starting to make sense, at least to me, and this is how I got to wrap my head around it, and other smart people who I know are working on this right now. The, the archivist is central because the archivist somehow got so upset and talked to Abby that precipitated the, the move on, you know, so urgent, so absolutely urgent for that archivist to get those documents that you had to send a jackbooted you know, SWAT team, FBI, all up armored with weapons, all of it, to a secure presidential, uh, you know, a presidential resident uh, who has total declassification in Mar-a-Lago on 8 August. The same archivist, they admit they contacted the archivist, <laughs> the archivist, I think on the November 2nd they're talking about. Nothing from the archivist until January. Right. And these are, and these are, we know, much more sensitive documents of, of compartmented, and just for your audience, you know, you have confidential, secret, top secret, and then above top secret, they want it to be comp- compartmented. So just people in certain verticals understand what's going on. These are the highest secrets of the U.S. government. And to know that you had someone in Ukraine, that archivist, the same archivist that precipitated uh, FBI, DOJ, that had to get to Mar-a-Lago. Why were they dead silent from November 2nd, it looks like, Lou, until mid-January? One of the one of the ironic points in this is that the the archivists uh, were contacted theoretically, at least so goes the timeline of the of the White House. Uh, they make a discovery, uh, the personal lawyers for the president, as you said, on the second. Uh, they alert the archivists on the third. They <laughs> they don't do anything until the fourth. Uh, it, it it's really a peculiar sort of situation. Uh, and when they do contact the White House, there's no concern about the lawyers for the president, their their security clearances. We're talking about, after all, as you're pointing out, we're talking about sensitive, classified information, the highest level of top secret uh, documents. And there's no problem. They cleared, everyone should remember, they cleared Mar-a-Lago. No lawyers get to get near the president's office while the FBI was in there. All of the people were pushed back at Mar-a-Lago. They could not disturb any part of the search and seizure activities of the FBI. 
in this case, they're saying no, me, you're so good. The, the FBI yeah, yeah, so is going to go through it all. Lou Dobbs, this, is, this is when Lou Dobbs is at his best because, quite frankly, he's going to tie together so many threads that you've been investigating for years. No, no. What's even what's even more incredible about that is that uh, because the people around the president, many of the lawyers, like Christine, about people have high security clearances. And you're correct, and you're right, to, to, to do their search and seizure. I might say their search and seizure in lieu, let's even say it, maybe their search and seizure in plant, okay, in plant. They, they clear the premises. Yet in, in, at the CCP, a, a center that is funded by the Chinese Communist Party, right, for the University yeah. of Pennsylvania, with $70 million given to them, it is, it, it, it is uh, Lou, let's say this, brother, it's a target-rich environment on this investigation, clearly the lies and the misrepresentation. I think for the audience, the lies of the White House you expect, but I believe you're seeing uh, Merrick Garland and the FBI absolutely run cover for Biden. And I think these guys are going to be very careful about impeachments themselves. Uh, Merrick Garland and all of DOJ is going to be investigated deeply in this. FBI is going to be investigated deeply on this. This is outrageous. Uh, to me, it's impeachment a level high crimes and misdemeanors by uh, by Merrick Garland and people in the Justice Department. And so I would tell folks, this is as serious as it gets. Yeah, I, I believe that's absolutely true. And the and I love the way the national media has covered this, too, as always. I love the way the national left-wing corporatist media covers things. But did you notice uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, and others they talk about uh, the press, uh, it, was, it was reported on CBS. They don't say that someone leaked the story to CBS News or to a specific reporter or editor or manager at uh, CBS. Uh, they just say CBS reported it as if the, the intrepid reporter through uh, his or her intrepid uh, energies discovered this uh, themselves. This was leaked to CBS and otherwise, we wouldn't know a thing from this White House. And that was quite an important out for them. That set up an entire, uh, entirely different predicate uh, for the information that would flow thereafter, didn't it? Well, in, in selective leaks, obviously. Anytime NBC or CBS are getting this type of information, it's being given to them strategically from uh, the regime about how to get how to build narrative. Right. Uh, uh, the, the reality is Biden through, I think, the Biden regime through arrogance and incompetence. And I think you're seeing this now in the, in the White House, you know, the spokesman of the press office is so amateurish that they even doing the leaks, they don't even have the timeline right. You know, the whole thing about mm -hmm. what I say from two November till today is the cover up. And that has been so amateurishly handled, Lou, that uh, even with their targeted leaks, They've kind of lost control of the narrative uh, and, and not just conservative media, but even some of the mainstream media, because it's so in your face about how much they're lying and how much they're spinning. And we haven't even gotten to they, they particular. Here's what they want to do. And I would tell your audience to focus that they will only want us to focus on the cover up. OK, and that's bad enough. Mm -hmm. They don't want to talk about how you got to 2 November, how you got to 2 November is going to be the substance of it. Because remember, he has no ability to declassify. There, there's some talk. There's some executive order out there from Obama. I don't care. Hey, there, you know, a, a, a third of the executive orders get overturned when you go to the Supreme Court. The, the president doesn't have the power 
to delegate this authority to declassify. Okay, and I think that's got to be tested at the Supreme Court. President Trump does have the ability to declassify. So you're comparing apples and oranges, although the press is going to say, well, that's so much terrible that Trump, because they were there for a year. No, Trump is in a negotiation about what's presidential records and what should go to the archives. You know, what, what should go in his, uh, he should keep personally as a, a former commander in chief. What should go in his papers that he sends to his, uh, his uh, library and, and what gets sent to the National Archives. Here, Biden, if for seven years, we have no chain of custody. And remember, just for your audience, Lou, when you're at a compartmental level, this is just not some memo that gets sent around. You are specifically with a big cover, a big, you know, red cover, uh, you know, piece of cardboard on top of it. It is specifically given to you as having a compartmented clearance. It, there's a direct chain of custody. It doesn't come to your secretary. It doesn't come to your body man. It doesn't come to the first lady. It comes to Joe Biden. Uh, that is very specifically tracked. The chain of custody here was clearly broken because the documents were moved at least several times we know of. Uh, from from on Biden, it went to where we put it in storage first, then went to the CCP Penn Center. It may have gone to other interim locations from this. So this is what seven years uh, in or six years now, and mm-hmm. uh, and with no chain of custody. So this is it's a this is a major federal crime, and a federal crime. There are many people in Leavenworth right now serving many years because of the handling of highly compartmented classified information, uh, much less worse than than Biden's doing. Well, you, uh, as, a, as a former Navy officer, I'm sure remember the circumstance in which a sailor aboard a nuclear submarine uh, apparently harmlessly was taking pictures and happened to take pictures of sensitive equipment on the, uh, uh, on the counting uh, uh, tower for the submarine inadvertently, he maintains, and was sentenced to years in prison just for, for having taken that photo. Uh, and you know now suddenly when it happens in Washington D.C. and let's use the word inadvertently, uh, this is a major crime if you're a Republican and it's just mishandling if you're a Democrat. It, it's that stark. It is that uh, absurdly uh, uh, unbalanced uh, when it comes to the treatment of the deep state, isn't it? It's 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 night and day. You have people in Leavenworth. I, I think there's an example somebody just told me about. Of uh, individual that took it took it uh, home, even inadvertently took it home, found it was there, and was doing some work on it. It spent it spent years in Leavenworth. Like I said, the, 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 it, you can only look at these in the skiff. The West Wing is considered a skiff. Obviously, the the the, the Kennedy, uh, the National Security, the the, the uh, Situation Room, and everything right below the West Wing, obviously is also a skiff. But you you can keep a highly compartmented. In only in certain offices in the White House, if you have those clearances, and very few people have those clearances. To think that this information was put in boxes and just put around is really mind-boggling. Exactly. Uh, people Did would it? be with equal justice in the law. You would spend decades or more in prison because of that. And you bring up skiffs. Uh, people forget President Trump, the former president, had a skiff at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, in that uh, in the office area of Mar-a-Lago, he had also 24/7 Secret Service protection in that area, whether he was there or not. Uh, and everyone wants to compare that suddenly now to uh, Joe Biden's locked garage. Uh, it's an absurdity, and the corporate media is doing a maximum limited hangout 
uh, in trying to cover for him right now with their so-called reporting. You, you bring up another brilliant point uh, that I think people, uh, the media hasn't hasn't thought about this, but you're correct. So, so the Penn Center it has no skiff, has no Secret Service, and that to me is the biggest smoking gun. How did how did it get there? But let's go to the House for a second. It, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, as many weekends, you know, Joe Biden, I think, has spent, spent almost every weekend virtually mm-hmm. in the Delaware, in the Wilmington House, right, or at the Beach House of Rehoboth, one of the two. Um, President Trump in Mar-a-Lago has a skiff. Why? The commander in chief needs to go at certain times, talk to international leaders. We used it on, on several occasions when he launched the, the attack, uh, the, the uh, cruise missile attack in Syria. We use it, uh, you know, for China, you know, Korea, all types of things would come up and you have to go to the skiff. It's a very a significant portion portion of Mar-a-Lago. Isn't it interesting, Lou, that they're talking about now, yes, the Secret Service is clearly Wilmington and Rehoboth, so they actually do keep a log of who came in and out. So the White House didn't keep a log, but the Secret Service did. But you know what's interesting? Is Joe Biden, there's no mention of a skiff at either house. You can build a skiff, you can create a skiff in either house. You can do it just like they did in Mar-a-Lago. It takes a little construction, you have to do it, but you can get a skiff. Joe Biden spends weekends uh, at this house all the time. And if they had a skiff, they would have mentioned that immediately, right? They would have mentioned that, oh, yeah, well, the papers were there. Maybe the boxes are there. There appears to be no skiff. I mean, he's commander-in-chief. I know they keep the football near him as they keep any commander-in-chief, but this is a guy that I think phones in a lot. I think part of it's his age. Part of it's just disinclination to get engaged on certain topics. But it's quite interesting in their defense they haven't run to the thing and said, oh, well, there's a skiff there and the Secret Service there, just like Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago is fairly a secured compound, right? It's, it's quite impossible to get in and out of there unless you know who's coming in and out. Uh, not the same exactly. in Wilmington. And, and as we know now, this whole thing of the payments of Hunter Biden, did that really cash, the, the cash flows match up with what he's getting from CEF and other CCP? It's very confusing about this Wilmington, uh, this Wilmington uh, house. But what it looks like is the president has no skiff there. Otherwise, they, the media would have come forward and, and hammered this about it. Well, it, it sort of ties back to having no skiff, apparently, since they have not brought that up, which would be certainly something to mitigate some of this, uh, if at least he had a skiff and the wind had blown it out of there or whatever. Uh, but he, it's now reported that as vice president, uh, people may not know this, but the vice president also has access to the nuclear football uh, that uh, that the president carries in case something does happen to the president. Uh, and he insisted that the Secret Service uh, be positioned and the the officer, the, the military officers carrying the, the uh, nuclear football, be a mile behind him. Uh, in whenever they were traveling, which meant that effectively, if something did happen urgently on a, a national emergency requiring response from the U.S. military, he couldn't have done a thing. Uh, in all likelihood, uh, in the time it would take uh, in traffic to to get to the to the vice president, this is this is the kind of uh, peculiarity. I'll call it that rather than construct it as something else. A peculiarity think- that. I think you're onto something very big, and I don't think it's a peculiarity. Here's what I think it is, is that if you drill down on the Bidens, as we have, 
right? Like I drilled down the Clintons. And when that was the whole reason I was brought into the 16 campaign, because I had knowledge of the, crim- the Clinton's criminality. The, uh, the Bidens, uh, you know, Rudy calls them a crime family. And I think if you look at the way they roll, it's a, it's a shanty Irish version of the Clintons operation. The yeah. Clintons operation is much more professional. It's a shanty Irish. Look, being Irish, I can say that. Um, and you make a good point. They don't like uh, anybody associated with law and order, secret service, or anything near what they're doing. And part of this is surely the depravity and the out-of-control nature of the sun. And that's what makes this thing at, uh, at, um, at the house so disturbing, that Hunter was really worked with his father to reconstruct that Corvette. A hunter has full access, and I think we haven't gotten really clear. Natalie went into the great story. It's very these payments for this house and the scale of the payments for the house and the timing of the cash flows he's getting from you know Chinese Communist Party and other places is very disturbing. But they don't. Biden doesn't like the Secret Service around or anybody in a in a law and order function around because the family kind of kind of rolls pretty loose. You know the brothers. Or have been monetizing him for years. James, as you know, is the brains of the operation. I just don't think they like. I just don't think they like law enforcement there. And and I don't think they ever. Have, I think they're very uncomfortable with the sons, uh, how he comports himself. And I think that that and that's going to. I think be a very big issue in this investigation going forward. Well, and and Frank Biden, we now know uh, another brother of the president has been actively uh, trading uh, influence for dollars uh, since since Joe Biden became president. It's white out. It's right out in the open uh, speeches uh, in front of, uh, I'll put it this way, uh, business opportunities in which he claims straight out uh, influence. And uh, for no other reason, he also claimed the bully pulpit for his own. He didn't even give his brother uh, credit for the bully pulpit being uh, that of Joe Biden. Frank Frank Biden thought it was his, uh, and apparently it was persuasive with a lot of people who turned out to be clients. Hey, look, it's it's low level. What the Clintons did it at a really an organized crime level. This is like a uh, a um, the the Irish mafia to the Sicilians, right? It's a yeah. junior varsity. Version, but the grift is there. Remember, Joe Biden is the, and this goes whether you look at the laptop from hell or Rudy's investigation onto Burisma, everything you guys did with Russia getting ties it back to uh, Ukraine. Um, the Bidens are always low level. It's low level, but it's the same thing. It's always to monetize Joe Biden. It's the how do you monetize the asset? And, and James and Frank, the two brothers, James being more the brains of the operation, whether this is housing projects in Iraq. Section 8 housing here, you know, it's how do you monetize access to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden being the what I call the new business guy. He's he's drinking what the client's drinking or snorting what the client's snorting. He's the new business guy. And if you get into these emails and the laptop from hell and Miranda Devine's got a great book about it, but there's there's also additional material all over And the laptop from hell will be a major point of uh, of uh, James Comer's, uh, you know, investigations at Oversight. Blue in the coming, you know, weeks and months ahead, uh, you'll see that they're in the business of monetizing access to Joe Biden. And uh, I think uh, this is going to be against the law for a couple. I think you're going to have some foreign agent registration crimes. I think you're also going to have some basic grift kickbacks, those sorts of things. So it's it's going to be very interesting and telling 
But uh, the Democrats understand they get a big problem here, uh, particularly when there's so many, uh, you know, kind of quote unquote progressive Democrats and others. They've already thrown Biden under the bus. This is going to be quite, uh, quite interesting. Last thing I'd like to say about this is the lawyers. I call the Democratic law firms because the city is run by lawyers and particularly big Democratic law firms. I, I refer to them as the Illuminati of the Democrat Party. And, you know, you, whether it's Covington and Burling with Holder, you've got, you know, you got all these guys and you have Bob Bauer. Uh, who's Mark Elias's mentor? Bob right. Bowers now stepped in, and he's one of the senior lawyers for the president. As a personal lawyer, he was Barack Obama's <laughs> White House counsel. He's still the interface. He's still the interface of, of, of uh, at least the, on, in public, at least public records. He's the interface between the National Archives and the Obama Library. Uh, he's also the chief architect of the Big Steel. I mean, it was Bob Bauer at Perkins Coie that did all the mail-in ballots. He, he did, he's the mastermind of all of it. At that time, Mark Elias was really the electrician or the, if he's the architect, he's the electrician or the engineer. That Mark Elias is really the, the, ex, the person that executes on it. But Bob Bauer, who's Anita Dunn's husband, I mean, you can't make this up. These people are all interconnected. Are gonna become <laughs> a very big player here as is, uh, as is uh, Dana Remus, who's the former White House counsel, who I think announced in July she was leaving, and I think she left in early October. Right. So she brackets she brackets the Marlago rate. One thing I would like to leave your audience with on this, Lou, that is just in the days and weeks ahead. Just remember, Marlago raid did just not happen. Okay, it was it was not in a series of negotiations with the experience, and I know some of the lawyers personally on that who are just top notch lawyers. Lou, it just didn't it didn't happen like the justice like Merrick Garland came to the microphone that day and said. Uh, we will discover, I think, in the days and weeks ahead, it was quite a different story of how Jack booted FBI raided Marlago and got everybody out of the house, uh, got everybody out of the uh, the, um, uh, the the mansion uh, to do their own uh, to do their own thing in private. It's it is clear to I think everyone following th- these. Uh, as you call them, jackbooted FBI agents and a, a DOJ that more closely resembles uh, the KGB, uh, a combination of the KGB and, and Stasi. Uh, this is a rampantly corrupt government that we call the federal government. I, I don't know that there is any agency that isn't corrupted, but I do know that the Department of Justice, the FBI, uh, a huge number of agencies are corrupted. Now, I'm talking about Department of Homeland Security uh, all the way through to uh, to the Department of Justice and the FBI, uh, our intelligence agencies, most uh, probably most importantly. They are corrupt, politically corrupt. And we have so many people in this newly elected Congress, and if I may say this, uh, who are just now getting, I think, a sense of how, because they're focused uh, not on their campaigns, but now what's happening in Washington, what they're learning in their committees, that this is a government that is not only weaponized, but is going after everyday citizens as well as political opponents, that is, office holders uh, and uh, Pauls on the conservative and right wing of the Republican Party. This is an existential moment. It is war on America, and it is brought to you by the Marxist Dems who control the Democrat Party and this puppet president. Your thoughts? Well, as we're speaking, I mean, Christopher, you can't make this stuff up. 
Christopher Wraith in, in Davos. And today he's on a panel, he's talking, and they're interviewing him, and he's talking about that the private sector is farther ahead in certain um, ability to uh, garner information from citizens than the government, and that public-private partnerships are the way of the future. I mean, just up in your face, given the Twitter files, everything like this, this is, it's not only existential. Don't think they're going to back off, and don't think they're going to back off just some investigations, which we're going to get. I'm a huge believer in, right, Lou? Right. This is why yep. the debt ceiling, the, the, the omnibus and the debt ceiling are all part of this, and to really defund the FBI. The FBI is out of control. Christopher Ray went to Davos with all the globalists and essentially spiked the football and got in your grill about how they're not backing off at all. In fact, they're going to have more of the, what they call public-private partnerships with big tech. Because of big tech's extraordinary uh, possibilities of their technology and their software uh, to actually surveil people. And, you know, coming out of Davos, everybody's talking about a regenerative, what we call generative artificial intelligence. We've been warning people about that's where this chat GPT is. It's just a rudimentary version, but these things are enormously powerful. And when you have the tools of artificial intelligence coupled with the ability to span massive databases, the American people are now under siege by the administrative state. I've argued this for years, and that's why the the debt ceiling fight is a, a, a is a is a is a fight for the ages because we have to stop their ability to use the Federal Reserve just to print money that future generations have to pay for to continue to fund this apparatus. And so that's what all these fights will come together into kind of one thing. But we're fighting on many fr- fronts. But you're absolutely correct. And Chris Ray, they're not if you. <laughs> He knew he was going to blow people's heads up when he went, and just went uh, and uh, and kind of smirked and uh, and essentially bragged about it. The mega warrior Steve Bannon on the arrogant and unaccountable deep state, and in particular the FBI and its director Chris Ray. Steve and I pick up our conversation tomorrow on the Great America Show Part Two: The Politics of a Debt Ceiling Showdown, which Republicans have never won, not once in all of history. Why do they want one now? Well, Steve will explain that to us. Bannon versus Dobbs right here tomorrow on that very issue and more. The Republicans suddenly also want to raise taxes. Now, that's brilliant, don't you think? The advocates call it a fair tax. In my opinion, the only fair tax is a lower tax. Please join us here tomorrow as Steve, Bannon, and I continue our battle. All right, battle may be somewhat hyperbolic when talking about a debate between friends and allies, but join us nonetheless here tomorrow on The Great America Show. Till then, thanks for being with us. God bless you, and God bless America.